Welcome to the Calm Nights, Strong Days podcast. With over 30 years in the health and wellness industry, I've realized there's no one-size-fits-all solution for sleep and stress resilience. What affects one person's sleep and ability to handle stress is different for each of us. The stage of life you're in, work and home stressors, your DNA, genetics, upbringing, social life, and more all affect how your body handles stress and your quality of life. Join me as we explore a variety of tools, strategies, and solutions I've employed with clients over the years in solo episodes, as well as insightful interviews and experts. Together, we'll unravel more pieces of the puzzle, empowering you on your journey to calm nights and strong days. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode 30 of the Burnout Expert Podcast. This um, episode today is really, really dear to my heart. And uh, I'm so excited to give this to you today because I've had struggles with my kids that people outside did not understand. Lara, who we're speaking with today, I'll introduce you in a second, um, has also had these struggles that I knew that many of you, a lot of the stressors in your lives as well are are because of struggles with your kids that other people on the outside don't get. So I'd like, I'm just so excited to dive into this today. So let me read to you, let me explain, um, introduce to you, Lara. I'm so excited, I'm tripping on my words. Let me introduce to you, Lara, and then we're gonna dive in because this is gonna be an episode that many of you may not even realize um, affects you when, you may actually have kids like ours in your house. So Lara has been married for 14 years and she has four kids, four, um, as well as two cats that she describes as spicy. And she has a business, which is like having a fifth child. She believes that she has the best job in the world in coaching moms to live their lives on purpose and with purpose. Now, a couple of Lara's kids are also neurodiverse, like my kids. Um, one of them is PDA, and she just also um, discovered some other um, information with another one of her kids, which we're going to be diving into today as well. Now, PDA is falls under that autism spectrum, but doesn't present like autism, so is very often missed. Normally, I do paraphrase somebody's response before they come on the show and ask them about their burnout story. But today I'm actually going to read to you what Laura said to me because what she said was, I, I can't change it. It needs to be said. So Laura said that she thinks that burnout for parents of not average kids is, is really such a big deal. She loved my question because it gave her some really good reflection. And she thinks the first place or the first phase of burnout for her was this total shutdown. It was combined with postpartum depression. It was, and it was before she had an official diagnosis for one of her sons. She stopped sleeping. She was not feeding herself. Um, she just grabbed junk food to shove it into her face when she could, struggled to care for her family. She cried a lot. She had random good days that tripped her up. And then she pretended that everything was fine to everyone else. But inside she felt like she was crazy. She felt like there was really something going on. And then she had a second wave of burnout, which she lovingly calls functional burnout. 
And she knows when she starts to teeter on that edge, when she starts pacing her house, staring at her phone to escape more. So that's a huge one for many of you, staring at your phone, trying to just escape from life, uh, losing interest in being with people different than her normal inter introvertedness, which I completely am on, I'm right there with you. And she feels that fatigued deep in her to her bones. I know I used to describe that constitutional exhaustion as being like moving through a fog of cement. Um, she thinks that every mom experiences this, but she feels that when you have a neurodiverse kid, the, the pendulum, it does swing much bigger and more often, which is why she actually created this checklist called her shitstorm checklist. And it's a tool that she started using on herself. And now she actually has transitioned to giving it to her clients. She calls it the emergency preparedness plan for when the earthquake of life hits. It breaks down simple things to do the groundwork yourself and care for your nervous system. And that's what we're going to be diving into a lot today, too, I believe, is the nervous system. It's very effective and efficient so that we can still meet the demands of life without giving up. Then we start easing our way back into joy and out of burnout. So as you've heard, Laura's journey um, through burnout and life with a neurodiverse kid it led her to be this amazing coach that she is today. You're going to hear that in the way that she speaks. Lara is a speaker, a podcast host, which we do have listed in the show notes. She's a writer, consultant, a coach who has helped thousands of moms be in a better mood, play more with their kids, manage their homes better, get their to-do list done and answer their purpose with fire in their souls. So without further ado, Lara, welcome to the Burnout Expert Podcast. Thank you. It is so exciting to be here. And just going back and hearing you read that, I'm like, yes, <laughs> all of that. Like, I'm resonating with it again. And I wrote it. <laughs> right. So, and this, so many of us are there. Right. This is the thing. Like, when we have kids that, like, I, I, when I'm working with people with burnout, we go through different, different stages of our life require different tools. And when we have kids, there's, we're still not prepared just for like, I want to say regular kids, but our kids are regular. They're just super freaking cool. So um, just for kids that maybe are not um, pushing you to the edge the way that our kids do. And just for being awake at night, you know, the hormone changes in ourselves post-pregnancy, the different styles of parenting between our spouse and ourselves, the mixes of different cultures, different, you know, uh, in-laws and our family parenting and all of that stuff. Like there's so many things that we aren't prepared for, but throwing into the mix, a neurodiverse child. Yes. Um, just magnifies it more. So before we, I guess, dive into everything, can you just help people understand what a neurodiverse child is? Yeah. I, it, it's so interesting because I've had different times where I'm like, what do I call my kids? <laughs> and I, and it's like you said, like they're, they're regular kids, but the way I think about it is they're brains just work differently than other people's. And that's not to say, I, I think sometimes when we use that phrase neurodiverse, it means it's divergent from something normal. 
that's just the commonly used phrase when in reality, their brain just is, it just works in a very specific way. And so the way I think about like neurodiversity, I think about it as like a different programming system. So a lot of our kids, you know, like electronics. And so you've got like the Xbox and you've got a PlayStation or a Nintendo switch. And these are just different programming systems and they just work in different ways. That's all they are. And so that's where I, I come back to, you know, neurodiverse. We think of it as like divergent from something normal when in reality, it's just a different programming system. Their brain just works in a different way. Yes, absolutely. So um, I know for me as well, like I had to pull my son from school. You had to pull your son from school. Yeah. And it just, it was amping him up more. It was, it was taxing his nervous system like crazy. And since bringing him home to, to homeschool him, I'm trying to figure out programs that will even work for his brain, the yes. way his brain works that I've learned that his brain goes so fast that when I give him instructions, I actually have started videotaping them. And then he listens to them at two times the speed because there's times where I'm saying stuff to him. He's like, mommy, you just have to go faster. This hurts my head. And, and that's the thing where, as you're saying, it's, it's a different way of thinking. It's not that one way is right. And one way is wrong. It's kind of cool. The more that I dive into the way his brain thinks and the way his body reacts and the way his nervous system picks up on things that, that others don't. So the way I sometimes describe this as well is like a bomb sniffing dog mm. where they, that bomb sniffing dog can smell those, can know where a bomb is, or a dog may know where the drugs are, or they can know when somebody's having an epileptic seizure before other people can see or know the signs. Mm -hmm. And that's our kids sometimes with the emotions, with things they pick up in their environment, with things that they see, because I know with my son, his brain goes so fast and what he visually takes in and auditorily takes in at such a speed and a pace is overwhelming for him at times, but man, what he takes in is crazy that if we're able to tap into that ability, the things that he can do in this world yeah, are phenomenal, but his brain goes so fast. He can't write more than a sentence on paper because yeah. his brain can't keep his hand can't keep up to his brain. Yeah. So in me saying that, I guess, what does that make you think, I guess, of your son and examples with your son? Yeah, the way I think about um, it, just as you're talking about it, I'm a very visual learner. So I'm always thinking, of, like, as people are talking, I imagine things. And did you ever see um, Finding Nemo? I think a lot yes. of maybe the listeners, you yes. know, when they like get into like with the turtles and they're going through, I can't remember what it's called, um, mm -hmm. but they're like, oh, shoot. The water space where the water's going fast. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but they're like riding the waves, like yes. in, it's going super fast. And I think about that. I'm like, that's us. Like we're jumping into that where it's like taking you to a completely different direction. And I feel like that with my kids, that if I tap into whatever speed that their brain is moving at and in the way that their brain is moving at, it will spit us out in a totally different place than I ever thought possible. And it's my job to recognize that that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It looks different than what I ever imagined, 
but it doesn't mean it's the wrong thing. And so for me, that's where I've had to like step back and really trust where we're going as a family and trusting my kids really on a very deep level. I think we live in a society that we as parents are the ones that are in charge and we're the ones creating this future. And, and we have this list of what it means to be successful. And we're like inviting them along into our vision. But I feel like with our kids, we have to let go of our vision and step into whatever vision they have and go with them. And that's been a really big transition for me. Yeah. And there's something you just said about our vision of success. I think that sometimes maybe if we even rephrase that, our vision of how we get to success. Yes. Because from, okay. And everybody listening, if you listen, I'm going to put the link below to that episode of your son, because your son from a, uh, how young he was picking locks, hacking computers at what age? Like, so we, yeah. So, okay. So I'll kind of just give like a brief timeline if people haven't, you know, listened to the episode, but I do recommend you go and hear the full story because it is crazy. Um, so, you know, you put your kid in timeout when they're a little kid, that's like the quote unquote, good parent thing to do. And he could break out of his room or like we used to have in our backyard. I had, he kept getting out of our fence. So I padlocked it and he figured out how to get past the padlock. Um, and so it was just like, he was maybe like two or three at the time, but then it got to where like he was getting out of his room and he was only three years old and it wasn't safe for him to wander in like the halls at night. And so we tried like different locks on his door and he figured out how to get out of all of them. And then we put like a sliding lock at the very top and he figured out how to move all of his furniture to slide it over. Um, so he could get out of his room that way. So, I mean, from a very, very young age, he was always getting into stuff, but as he got older, whatever rules we put in place, he could figure out a way to bypass all of them. And I think he was eight years old. So we had one of the smart bikes, um, you know, like the early before Peloton, it was like a Nordic track and he figured out how to bypass the operating system on it. So he could access YouTube. We didn't allow YouTube in our house and he wanted to watch YouTube. So he figured out on this I didn't even know you could do that on a smart bike that like you could bypass all of the system in order to turn it into a functional computer. And that's what he learned how to do, even though he had never really been on a computer. So then it was like literally everything we put in place, um, internet filters, like all of it, he could figure out how to bypass any of those Um, to the point where, I mean, he was I mean, we, we don't have guns in our house, um, but we got a gun safe. He was about 10 years old when we got a gun safe and he figured out where like the backup keys were. He would literally find them anywhere in the entire house. He could find the backup keys to like take the passcode um, switchboard off and put the key into the system and get into the safe where we stored all the electronics. And then he figured out um, like my husband had got a Tesla, um, he works a long way from home. And so he likes the self-driving feature. And so he, uh, we didn't want our kid in the Tesla in the middle of the night, we wanted him sleeping. And so he would come in and the only way you could get into the Tesla was with our phones. And so he would like watch my husband, like from the corner or like in a reflection and figure out what his passcode was on his phone in order to get into the Tesla. And there were times where he was, in the Tesla in the middle of the night and figured out how to lock us out of our own freaking car. 
<laughs> our 10 year old is in the car and we can't get into him. So we talked with Tesla on the phone and they're like, we've never heard of any of this happening before. We don't know how to help you. And so then we could like figured out other ways, you know, to get around it. And then we like shut all the internet. So he couldn't do anything in there, but then he started putting speed limits. Like he would go into the Tesla at night and he would put a speed limit on the car. So my husband couldn't drive above a certain speed <laughs> just to make us mad that he still was in control. But then I think like the really, like the cherry on top of all of it was when like, we got, like, we took the keys to the safe to grandma's house. Um, and so we, they weren't even in here in the house and we had the passcode and I wouldn't even open the office door. Like it was in the closet in our office and I wouldn't even open the office door unless he was totally out. And I was making sure he couldn't see through the blinds as mm -hmm. I'm entering the passcode to get electronics out. And what I realized, well, he told me, you know, later on, he's like, mom, I can get into the safe. I'm like, how are you doing this? <laughs> he said, well, I just sat outside the door and listened to the sound of the passcode, memorized the sound and then played with it long enough until I matched the sound. Now that's incredible. What's really incredible is that the first two numbers are always changing. And then the rest is the passcode. So he figured out the first two numbers didn't matter. You just go and push whatever numbers light up and then memorize the rest of the sound and could match it. So that's when I, like, I really knew like we're in a different league. It literally doesn't matter what we do. That kid will find a way around all of it. Yeah. So this goes back to where I said, like, he can be successful. Totally. But here's the kicker. I had to take my son out of school because he could not do like, mm. well, he was bored in school, but he also can't write more than a sentence. Yes. Like. How is your son in school? Like you had to take your son out of school. Yeah. Was he able to do school assignments and stuff and do the schoolwork the way that like when, when I'm going back to where we said about success, mm -hmm. we think, okay, it's success is them, you know, doing elementary, middle school, high school, going to college, doing these things. But like, I'm working towards certain classes. My son will not do a teacher led class. Yeah. He could not do, he has to do, it all has to be self-paced on his own learning. So he is all like self-taught on mm -hmm. everything, but grade three tested grade eight level math, right? Like, so, so I guess where, what my question is like, when we're looking at this from a success point of view, he can be so friggin' successful with his talents. It's just not going to look. Yeah the same way. So as a parent, what stressors are involved in that? Cause there's a lot personally and externally. Yeah. And I think it's such, it's such a good question because so much of it requires our own self work in order to break down what we view as successful and the path to success. Mm -hmm. It's super easy for us to hear stories of Albert Einstein flunking out of school or Thomas Jefferson or all of these things. But when you're in a parent nowadays and 
you know your kid is brilliant and they're flunking out of school, that is very different type of stress where you're afraid that your kid is going to be held back. You are afraid of even getting your kid into a school building because he's running away anytime you get close to the school. (laughs) Like growing up, my son would almost throw up before he'd get to school. His anxiety was so bad that there's lots of I drop off his brother and the other two kids. We had a walking school bus and we'd turn back and head home because he couldn't get into the school. Yeah. He, the sounds, the noises were too much, mm-hmm. but then you get the kids with ADHD as well. that can't sit still, but, and, and when they do a test, they can't focus to answer the questions on a test, but at home, you're like, my kid's friggin' brilliant. <laughs> like this kid can go circles around me on subjects. Like I can't keep up to my kid on certain things. And and in, in social media and all this stuff, people are often bragging about their kids' sports yeah. or, hey, how well their kid's doing at school. And our kids are like flailing at school, but we're like, but they're really bright in this. And people don't, people then think we're bragging sometimes when we're actually trying to explain our struggles. Yeah. And I think that's where it's been really challenging knowing how to talk about this because where my son wasn't typical autistic because he fell within the subtype of PDA, um, which stands for pathological demand avoidance um, for anybody that doesn't know. But a lot of people in that community um, want to rename it as like pervasive drive for autonomy, which means they have to be in control at all times of like what they're doing. And it's so fascinating because I knew there was something from the time he was a baby. Yes. Nobody could see it. Nobody could hear me. And I felt very gaslit in some ways. And I don't think it was intentional by any means, but because he on the outside looks very neurotypical I was always being told, well, you need to be more consistent. You need to parent better. You need to do this. Here's this book. I'm like, my kid has literally broke every book possible, (laughs) like a parenting book. It literally doesn't work for him. And it was not because I was not parenting well, or I wasn't consistent enough. It was because his brain is wired differently. And so he literally broke all of the parenting books because The more I did that, the more he would act out because it goes against his nervous system and the way that his body is wired. Yeah. And so let's touch on that nervous system for a little bit, which is fascinating because since my son was born, I was like, okay, he's born in burnout, you know, his nervous systems, all this stuff. So I've always worked on nervous system stuff with him since he was born. And we've always worked on these things that and and he knows now when his nervous system about to fire up and the way that I think too, because of the way that I have always looked at it from the scientific point of view of this is what's happening. This is what we need to do that. Yeah. A lot of people don't always understand it. And even my husband who is the most amazing man in the world. Um, there's times where I have to be like, no, he's yelling at you, but it's not, it's his nervous system. Let's do this to calm his nervous system right now. And he's starting to see those things where we're having, and, you know, there's so many different ways that we have learned, which now I use with my clients, how to, how to calm down their nervous systems. 
Right. Like, see this nervous system firing because they take in so much information too. Mm-hmm. World is overwhelming for yeah. them. And I think my hope too in having you on is, is for any parents that are listening. Where you see your kid is hyper reactive to yeah. things. And your discipline techniques that may work with one of your kids or that you see works with other kids. You may have a child that just extracurricular activities on top of school. As soon as we took him out of school for about six months and then he's like, hey, I want to try swimming again, mommy. Right. He can now because he's quiet Monday to Friday. He now has the nervous system capabilities to do extra activities. But if your kid can't stay calm at a, at, a, at, a, at a party or an event or going out in public where there's a lot of people, it's not that there's something wrong with your kid. It may be that they have this tuning ability that is just beyond us, that is so super cool that they are so overstimulated. And can't handle too much of that. And it's, it's, it just, we need to parent different. Yes. Which then what stressors occur from the outside? Like, what have you found the judgment from others or the. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's one of the biggest stressors in the beginning that caused a lot of burnout was it wasn't just family members seeing you parent different. Okay. Like I was raised in a generation, like it looks like your kid's walking all over you. It looks like you're giving into a tantrum. Mm -hmm. That's not what you're doing. You're accommodating their nervous system. They're not yelling at you because they're a bad kid. They're yelling at you because they're, they don't know how to communicate and their nervous system has just tripped. And so I think the first thing was like being able to let go of the judgment of parents. And my parents are amazing. My in-laws are amazing and they raised us differently. And so being able to let go of some of that judgment was the first thing, but then also letting go of the stress that I was going to do it different than the experts, than the, the, my pediatrician was suggesting, than the books that were suggesting and There was no roadmap for this, especially at the time when I was raising my oldest, there was not like the internet was around, but it wasn't like the huge forums that we have now and the information and the Facebook groups, I was alone. And so I had to really figure out what was working for my kid. And I had to let go of all the other voices that were out there of the experts. And so that was like the next thing, like I had to let go that huge stress there. And then bit by bit, it was even just like letting go of my husband's judgment on like, he didn't see what I was seeing because I was home with my son all day. And so it was like holding space that he doesn't see this right now. I think he will eventually. And he does to a different extent now than he did when he was younger. But I even had to like, let go of that. And even I remember one time being like, it was so painful going to a play date with friends and watching their kids play 
and interact with each other and eat healthy snacks. And it was, and I went home and I just bawled because I knew my kid was different. And so even the stress of like going to a play date for me to interact with other adults and women, but I couldn't do that because my kid was different. And I think so much of that, you know, has continued on as he's gotten older. Now it's the pain of, we just had, um, we had grade six, sixth grade graduation. Um, this is when they move into middle school and I had to get off of social media for a few days because I was watching all of my friends post about their kids, sixth grade graduation, knowing that my kid will never have that mile marker because he can't attend school right now. And that was something he had looked forward to when he was little, but right now his nervous system cannot accommodate being in the school. And so there's just a lot of things like that. I think as you are raising a neurodivergent kid, there are moments of total grieving and mourning for what you thought would be. And that's where it's really kind of trippy. And I think that can lead us into burnout is that you love your kid and you can see their brilliance and you're so excited to see their future and you know they're going to be successful and you're trusting them and you are a human, you are a mother, you are a father. And sometimes you have to mourn that it looks different than you thought it would. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you're saying this too, I mean, my son is 10 and I, we still have to go everywhere with him because just in case he has a meltdown, just in case, like, so his, his, his happy place is Pokemon. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's fascinating. Cause it's all other neurodiverse kids. There's ADHD kids. There's some kids that are madly autistic. There's kids that are like, just their brains are like so fast and, and they're kids of all ages, which is fascinating because he's never, ever understood kids of his own age but at pokemon there are other kids of his own age they're just other really cool neurodiverse kids um and quite often like i'll even because he homeschools on pa days i plan okay everybody we're gonna we're gonna meet all the parents drop off their kids but i have to stay there's actually one other mother as well that always stays because of her child as well just in case and and i was talking to her the other day too about how like we have to stay right? It's, I, I can't leave. I can't even say to them, I'm going to go across the street and just go grab myself a smoothie or something. I can't because that might be the moment that my son's nervous system just gets hit way too much and there's an explosion. Yeah. So I just have to be there just in case he's at, we've worked with us. He, he knows a lot of the signs a lot earlier now, I think because we've been working at them since birth mm-hmm. um, and all of that, which I'm so grateful that I do what I do that I didn't realize how much it would impact my son now, but it is, it's that thing where it's like, I can't drop my kid off and just go swim lessons. Bunch of the parents just leave, come back in the hour. Right. I can't. Yeah. Cause what if, <laughs> what if a coach, cause that's actually something too, where he's being coached now and he does not do well with taking instructions from anybody. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what if they say one thing that's wrong? I'm like, he's going to explode. I need to be there just in case. Yeah. You can't turn it off. Yeah. And I think that's what can lead so many parents, you know, caregivers of kids that are neurodivergent can lead them straight to burnout because Mm -hmm. our nervous system is on 
all the time, yeah, all the time. And it's like this hyper aware, hyper vigilance that there is always, even though they have the tools, you are always one, one step away from a meltdown <laughs> at all times, I feel like. And and it's not always the, that way. And, and we know that, but at the same time, it can escalate so quickly, like you said, that you're just always there. And, and to be clear, um, for anybody listening, it's easy to see an older kid in a meltdown and think they're having a tantrum. Mm-hmm. And I want to be very clear that like a meltdown is very different than a tantrum. They are not doing it to get what they want. They're not doing it because it's it's manipulative or anything like that. It is literally their body has gone into the fight, flight, or freeze. And for so many of our kids, it's fight. It, like they just go immediately. And so it looks to the outside world like this kid might be spoiled or entitled when in reality they're in a crisis moment, not any different than if somebody's holding a gun to your head and your body reacts and you're doing whatever you can to get out of that situation. That's essentially what our children are experiencing in that moment. Even though we know that they're safe, their nervous system doesn't. Right. And, and I recall like just being at a park and he's yelling at me and at my husband, Mm -hmm. but we're both like, I'm on my knees so that I'm like at his height and I'm looking at him and I'm just calmly breathing and saying, yeah, okay. The whole time he's yelling, the whole time he's yelling. And I can see people going like, you're just letting him yell at you like that. I'm like, I'm letting him get it out. Yes. He's getting yeah. the cortisol all out right now. He's yelling at all the stuff that is bugging him at this moment that has exploded into this volcanic eruption. And as soon as he's done, he just looks at me and then he'll run into my arms and just like, almost like hug he's me and tears out. And because you let him get it out or sometimes there's so many things time sometimes it's like he I remember we did something once he's like I need to get out of the car and run I need to get out of the car and run I'm gonna explode I'm like okay I'm like there's a park a block ahead as soon as I opened the door he bolted from the car and just ran and ran and ran and ran and then came back and went okay I can breathe now right and it's different and I recall as well uh, your podcast this one episode I keep talking about you said where you and your son had finally figured out something, strategies that were helping and working and getting to things. And your son said to you one night, something about, I didn't get as mad today or something. Um, you can, do you want to tell that? Yeah, I, I'm trying to even remember. I don't know. But I mean, there's there's been many times like that where he said, he even said this to me the other night. So since we took him out of school a few months ago, so it was January is when we pulled him out of school. And at that point he was having very explosive meltdowns. And it was interesting because, you know, just as you said, Andy, like I'm, I've have the tools and we're able to like lower it, but it was like the demands of school were so exponential that by the time he got into school, he was like trying to kick the window out. So there was like no in between time to like even use the tools that we have because the demands had pushed him so high up. And so that's when we really recognized that like, we have to take him out of school. There's no other option. And so we took him out of school and you know, he's been in burnout recovery. And as we were like taking care of him and his nervous system, he said to me a couple of weeks ago, he's like, mom, I haven't broken anything in a few months. 
I'm like, yeah, actually you haven't. And he was so proud of himself because they don't want to be behaving this way any more than we want them behaving this way. And he doesn't un, like, he understands logically, but when he's in it, that's like the hardest time for him to understand like what's happening. Why am I behaving this way? And then if we, as parents come in and do quote unquote, traditional parenting and give them consequences and punishments for behaving that way, they create such a shame story around how there's something wrong with them, how they can't control this. And so it's so fascinating to see the more compassion and understanding we have for the way their brains work, the easier it is for us to stay out of burnout and the easier for us to manage our own stress levels. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I find it fascinating. I actually wasn't expecting you to say that you use burnout tools on your son, because that's what I think of it. And there's times too, where I'm like, okay, what is it that I do? Like, I think that it's all burnout, but I get, you know, there's this autism piece where autism is like their nervous systems are so firing that those tools help autistic kids as well to decrease some of the anxiety to decrease some of like the the tools because it is hitting the nervous system hitting whenever if we think of a bucket of stress just a bucket and we're filling it with stress it doesn't matter the stress so as an adult financial stressors stressors from our jobs stressors from toxic bosses stressors from just life in general um uh, traumas all of these things for us that we often don't think that our kids have full buckets of stress, mm-hmm. but when they're taking in so much, like if we do think of an, an autistic, well, I'll do autism and I'll do ADHD and I'll do APD, um, which is my son um, more as well. But through learning from you, I'm thinking he might have a PDA. <laughs> um, so with, with the autism, their brain is firing. They see so much. They take in so much. Like if you've ever talked to an autistic child on a subject that they are interested in, the amount of information that they can store in their brain is unbelievable. And if we start looking at that from a different lens of, wow, they may also take all of this from a lot of things happening in the world as well, that the overstimulation in that child, that their stress bucket from just the day-to-day life of transitioning from one one thing transitioning to another, getting out of bed and getting breakfast, that it becomes so overwhelming that their stress bucket gets so full that as I've always said with my son is just his stress tolerance is less than mine. So his stress bucket feels faster. So we need to make sure we have all of those tools and we get ADHD where I've been learning that a lot of ADHD diagnoses are actually auditory processing disorders, but there is actually hundred percent like ADHD as well. But, but auditory processing disorder is where they hear so much, their ears auditorily are taking in so much. And it can be that they hear more from, they hear certain things in one ear, certain things in another, and they're taking two different like conversations at the same time into their brain that they can't focus on anything. They can't sit down. They can't do things. They may not hear a teacher speaking, or if you have the water on, they can't hear you speak. That's APD, auditory processing disorder, which is my son. But you can get these special hearing aids that help to 
to actually bring down the sounds and it can calm them more to take off strain off their nervous system mm. and ADHD as well when their brain's flying a mile a minute like how like could you imagine if your brain all the time was flying a mile a minute yeah. the stress on your body yeah so we often think oh what do they say we should do for autism what do they say we should do for ADHD but we're not also looking at this stress system yeah and if you give that stress system support like you said same thing for the parents dealing with it. Give the parents that stress system support. We can be calmer. We can big picture think. Now, how much calmer? An autistic may never be where they're not going to have the explosions and stuff, but we can celebrate how much better they've come. They're not breaking things anymore. Totally. Yeah. And I love that you use that analogy because that's actually something that I use with my clients, but the way that I explained to him, I'm like, yes, that it's going to get to that point where it's going to look like a blender with the lid <laughs> off, mm -hmm. like explodes all over the walls. I'm like, but you can also put like a spigot at the bottom and slowly like start siphoning off some of that stress. And that's where like the tools that we teach, um, you know, with the nervous system, what that's doing is it's slowly siphoning a little bit off. So they're not always like at the top, they're maybe more in the middle. And the more we can help them siphon that off, the more we can accommodate their nervous system, the, the easier they can exist in the world that was not made for them. And I think that's like, as a parent, that's the most loving thing I can do. And I had a really hard time for a long time thinking, well, they have to exist in this world. So I can't be accommodating them all the time. They're going to have to figure it out. And I remember at one point shifting that on, well, maybe we are creating a world that could accommodate this even more. The working from home is a way that, you know, can be accommodated. Um, people being, you know, consultants or freelance is a way that is accommodating it. And so I think our world is shifting to where we're creating a safer place for all kinds of brains. And the most loving thing we can do as a parent right now is teach them the tools, practice them ourselves so they can be set up for success. We don't have to hold them to that same standard that the world exists this way. So therefore you better learn it now or else that's just setting them up for failure now and failure in the future. At least that's, that's the way I think about it. I love your thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think with, well, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always, I've always asked why, which is so funny. Cause my son will be like, well, and it's with school, so many things with school. Well, why do I have to do that, mommy? And I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I can't <laughs> yeah. I've never been the type two that has been like, you do this because you have to. I've always questioned why. Yeah. So when he is as well, I'm like, I don't know. So that's where too, I've really gravitated towards homeschooling. I love it so much because like the way that I think about our, our school system, is that you're putting kids all of one age group mm -hmm. in one classroom and expecting that they are going to have the same interests. They're going to be at the same level in everything that they're going to like have the same personalities, the same communication styles, the way that you're all teaching them. And I'm like, where does that happen where that ever happens? Like, so if we think about as well, all of the careers that we've gravitated towards, 
-hmm. Any careers we've gravitated towards work towards our personalities more yeah. so. And yeah. even our friends, we think of our friends. So people are like, what about the social with school? And I'm like, well, when you're out in the workforce, that's where people struggle is after like they're done college university, they're like, I don't know how to find friends. I don't know how. And I'm like, well, my kids are learning now because my other son has now seen how cool homeschooling is that he wants to join us next year. And he's having the autonomy to start picking his courses. He wants to get into math and physics and really heavy into these sciences and really go down this rabbit hole at a pace that he wants to go. I'm like, go for it. And, but I am connecting him with like a robotics course down the street and they do Pokemon. So they're already learning that where they're going to find friends is where their interests are. Yes. Not necessarily on the schoolyard, they're going to find them at the Pokemon tournaments where now we all meet on PA days and holidays, or they're going to meet them at robotics club. You know, the little Urkels with my son, the one that wears a fanny pack for the last two years and has his <laughs> love it. in and, you know, like, it's just, he's the best kid in the world. And I just, I mean, all these kids are so cool, right? He's, he's average gifted. He's not like as neurodiverse as the other, but he struggles as well to find his people. It was only once he got into the gifted program and kids started doing the Rubik's cube during recess. And he's like, oh, mom, kids were doing the Rubik's cube today. I got to bring my cube tomorrow. And he started having friends and wanting to do play dates, right? Like it, it really is, I think, teaching our kids so many of these skills. Okay. Where do you find the cool people like you? Like, mm -hmm. is it magic, magic in D and D like where no. you go and get these other neurodivergent brains that you can go and and go and speak your language? Like, is it some history club or is it an astrology club? Like, where do other kids speak your kids language? Where do they have the interest? Is it totally in the arts where they're just in this creative world all the time and you can get them into those groups? And that's where they start feeling I belong here. Yes. Whereas a lot of these kids don't feel like they belong in that classroom. Yes, completely. And, and I think as we explore that for our kids, it, and I'll tell you kind of my journey on it, it's super tricky as well when you're in burnout and then you feel like now my kid needs me to homeschool them. Yes. And, and even just as you're talking, I'm thinking about like my journey with it. Like I always knew I wanted to, like, he would probably end up homeschooling because I knew his brain and I wanted to ride the wave as long as we could because my nervous system needed a break. Yes. And so it's like this really, I feel like this delicate balance of like give and take to like accommodating their nervous system and accommodating your own nervous system and what you're able to do. And I, so I, I mentioned that just because, you know, if anybody's listening and they're like, oh no, like, how do I homeschool my kid? I don't know if I can do that. You know, yeah. like I love, I love that we're at this place with my kid and I still have my other kids in school because I need to accommodate my nervous system. <laughs> so I just wanted to mention that too. That was my thing too, is I was not taking my other son out until I figured out what to do with this one yes. son. Now, have I figured it out? Not really. And and I've been saying to him, and I think you had this experience too, where you said your son wasn't doing any schoolwork for the, for quite a while. Yeah, and yeah. my son too, he, so he loves math. He loved Beast Academy. I'm like, okay, you do Beast Academy every day. That's it. 
Mm-hmm. And that's really all he did. So they, there, there is this thing that they say when you start homeschooling where you unschool yeah. and it makes so much sense. And I didn't understand what it meant. And everybody does have their own version or vision of it. Yes. What unschooling means to me, first off, was just making my son was okay. So what was my priorities? Making sure I was okay, making sure he was okay. So if that meant that he spent most of his days looking at Pokemon cards online, that's okay, but it's crazy because he knows the buy and sell of all the Pokemon cards. He knows yeah. how to take them in to make money off of his cards. He knows which cards to buy that are going to go up in value. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. He's almost doing the stock market with Pokemon cards. Totally. Yeah. Right? So yeah. he's found his way, but he does. He spends entirely too much time surfing that or funny cat videos for the first while. And satisfying jobs was one of the things he used to search on YouTube. I'm like, whatever, because <laughs> it is still working his brain in a way. But he could not do any courses that he still can't that are coached by somebody. Now, I'm going to be trying one thing in therapy and parts therapy with him that I'm wondering if that may help with that step. But it's taken us many steps to go through. My first thing was getting him into a therapist. And he's been with the most amazing therapist for CBT, cognitive therapy, um, behavior therapy, Um, but we're stuck at a point with that now that I'm moving him into a new therapist that works with parts therapy to then go back to this amazing CBT therapist. So there's different like pieces to that too, that my job was, I'm going to make sure that this kid's nervous system is okay. That was my goal. So today he didn't have a good sleep last night. He's also grown an inch in the last month. He's, he's, he was last night. And it was so funny too. Cause when he, I heard him up, I went in, he goes, mommy, I can't sleep. My legs hurt. I think I'm growing. And that's, what's going on now. I'm like, okay, let's feed you a little bit. See if you can go back to sleep. And he woke up saying, I didn't have a good sleep. We're like, okay, we'll have a chill day today. So he has watched some TV. He's played with his new Pokemon cards. He's chilling. He's reading a book that he's liked, like, but he's been on his own. Most of the day I'll ask him, do you want me to work beside you today? Or do you need space? He goes, I just think I want to be on my own today, quiet. Mm -hmm. And he has learned that even when, and he's had a tougher week this week, which as I was saying to you, we're not in a forest fire area at all, but Northern Ontario and Quebec is having fires and it's actually brought smoke into our area that I'm not sure if that's been affecting both of us this week, but both of us have had headaches this week and have been a little off that he even said this week, once he was doing his beast Academy, And he's like, mommy, I just laid on the couch and stared out the window and just did my breathing for about 45 minutes today because my brain wasn't in it. And I knew my body needed a rest. I'm like, so cool. Right. So So that's what we've worked on this week, this year. That was my goal. Huge. It wasn't, he's already frigging ahead. Yeah. Right. And he's also going to be such a different learner and whatever pace any of these kids go at, it doesn't matter. My goal was to make sure that he knew how to support his nervous system and we'd be okay with that. And my nervous system. So if there's days too, where I'm having an off day, I will tell him I'm having a really off day today. Mm Want to just watch. He loves um, Sheldon, young Sheldon. (laughs) So we've been watching young Sheldon. I'm like, can we just sit and watch young Sheldon today? I'm not getting any work done in the office, but it will mean I'll have to work on Saturday to get this done. He's like, okay, what do you need, mommy? Do you want to go for a walk? Do you need to go to do your breathing? I'm like, will you do breathing with me? He's like, yeah. So he'll help me too. So he learns when I need to rest as well, but he also knows my work has to get done. So he knows it'll happen on another day and he'll accommodate. So that's 
what we've decided this year of homeschooling was. Yeah. And I think what's so cool about that is that's the way our kids learn. Like they will never have an outside instructor telling them what they need to do, but they can see us living it and breathing it and picking up on it and working with us. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that's one of the coolest experiences that I've shifted that the more I'm learning and talking about my process, the more he's learning and he's internalizing a lot of it. And, mm-hmm. and it becomes this like beautiful, like co-creation, this companionship within our home. And that to me is what really makes the difference. I feel like in parenting these neurodiverse kids, because traditional parenting is like, you talk down to your kids mm-hmm. and that's not work for our kids. Co-creation, like beautiful, like transformative, like learning together. And I had to learn that that was, that was okay. And that was really what he needed. And that, yeah. So just as you're describing that, I'm like, it's so cool to think about our kids and how much more okay they'll be entering the world because we've been demonstrating this and they've been practicing it for years Whereas I feel like I was an adult before anybody ever told me like, oh, your thoughts are not you. <laughs> like you have a nervous system <laughs> that gets right. activated. I was an adult by the time I heard that for the first time. Right. And, and as I said too, like my one son is your like average gifted kid. He just is geeky and just wants to learn everything that it's fascinating because with my one son, it's like, okay, we do one course. That's it. One course. That's all your nervous system can handle. Hey, let's try this other thing, see if it works, if it doesn't. And we have through the year added a couple of different things. Um, he's loving this like physics chemistry thing right now uh, called brilliant. Um, but there's no instruction, like it's one sentence, do this. He does it, move to the next, like loves it. And so we figured that out, but my other son is like what you would expect a typical kid to be. Hey, yeah, I want to do this and let's try this and let's go this. And like, I'd like to learn this and that. And, and he has this huge list that now we have to weed through and go like, well, we can only do this many, right? Yeah. Which is what a typical yeah. kid would be. And it's interesting though, my other son has said, he goes, I'm interested in that course, but it has a teacher. So what we've said is he can sit by his brother while his brother's doing the course and listen. And if it gets to where he's irritated, he can just leave the room. But if he wants to stay, he can listen and and participate without anybody looking at him, without anybody asking him questions. He can hear the conversations between the other students and the teachers with him being on the side. Mm, That's so So, yeah. So it's kind of interesting that my other son is is as you said, teaching him. In a way, he's he's kind of gravitating towards a course where there's somebody actually instructing it mm-hmm. in a way that's comfortable for him. And maybe over time, he mm-hmm. may actually decide he wants to do a course with a teacher. Who knows? Yeah. And it's cool being able to like leave that up to them to decide. And I think that amount of trust has taken a while for me to get to mm-hmm. on like trusting that. This is their path to success. This doesn't mean that they aren't going to learn how to listen to a boss someday. (laughs) And I think that's like what everybody would always come back and say to me on like, well, how are they ever going to survive in the world? How are they going to have a job? How are they? I'm like, but the more I trust him, the more successful he is. And Mm -hmm. so it's my job to get on board with 
the way he is able to work. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is it's, it's, we need people. Like I've always said, we need people to run the hotels, run the airports, do these jobs that are like at a desk in an office and do, do all these jobs all the time in order for me to be out there being this entrepreneur and this creative person <laughs> and doing all these things and being able to travel and all of that. I wouldn't be able to be the person that I am without these people having those jobs that you said are the typical jobs we think of, but our kids are probably going to have a typical job, but the jobs that they're going to have are going to make such an impact on this world if we hone in on their strengths and their abilities and teaching them this is how you can learn in these environments. Um, I mean, who knows? My, uh, We're starting the stock market with, my ones, with, with this son because of what he's been doing with Pokemon cards and stuff. And he loves money and numbers. And he's really good at, at, at seeing trends in things. And, and his... his I think photographic memory or something is just ridiculous. So it's like, okay, we're starting to do the stock market game. And who knows if he gets into the stock market, that's a really great career. Yeah. He can do it in his home. Totally. Right. Like there's nothing wrong. It's just, it's different. There's a way there's always a way. There's always a way. And and I love that. I love that because I repeat that back to myself lots of times, you know, the Jurassic Park life always finds a way. (laughs) Like that's exactly what it is. Like these kids find a way. And I think sometimes we hear like neurodivergent and we have language around what it is that's happening in their brain on such a deep level, but this has always existed. This has always been there. So when you study a Mozart, when you study an Albert Einstein, this is why they flunked out of school. This is why that like Mozart was kind of a little cranky because he was brilliant, but he struggled. He was overstimulated. He was probably autistic. He really struggled with people. And, and so it's so fascinating to go and see all these brilliant minds in history and to be able to understand they were so brilliant. They were probably neurodiverse that's why they had these funny quirks. This is why they, they flunked out of school and why their parents got these report cards. You know, you always hear those stories on like, you know, the Albert Einstein kind of stories, but. I think our kids are the ones that are going to change the world. We just have to give them the confidence Mm -hmm. because a lot of two, they have that perfectionism and they already have so much shame for not being the same and imposter syndrome and all that stuff that a lot of us have as well, but, but theirs is to the nth degree and just giving them that that's my job. My job is to give him the confidence in himself Mm -hmm. to be able to find his way to make his, his path in this world in a way that was meant for him to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And, and I think that's such a different mindset than I went into parenthood thinking my job is to teach him. (laughs) And I realized that, no, he's probably going to teach himself anything that he needs to know. And my job is to provide that confidence and that loving atmosphere where he can find his interests and run with them. Yeah, absolutely. So Fascinating. This podcast episode was supposed to be on parents. Hey, <laughs> I love it. But I, I think that we talked more about the actual kids and their nervous systems, but I'm hoping that in a way as well, that that helps the parents see this from a different view, from a different lens to see the things that sometimes are stressing you out are 
are actually gifts in a sense that are actually going to help our kids be these most amazing people in the world as a parent though. So let's switch this just because I know we do have to be mindful of time. You have your kids at home. and once. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have just with these parents as well, if there was advice that you would give to a parent who is in burnout, who is experiencing a child, like we spoke of, that is the coolest kid that is just out of the box and doesn't fit in, in school, what would you say to them? I think the first thing is that it's okay if you don't see them as a cool kid yet. Yes. I I think that took me some time because I was in burnout and I couldn't see those gifts and see them as strengths. I just saw them as he's making my life miserable. And, And I say that with a lot of love because I've been there and I know how hard it is, especially if you don't have a name for any of this stuff. And I feel like once I had a name, it was like, I could say that to other people and they were more understanding, but I had known it all along. And I was just feeling really discouraged because nobody else saw it. And I felt like they held me to a very different standard than I could hold myself to. So it's, I think the very first thing is it's okay if you don't see your kid as a cool kid and you're struggling with that and you're mourning that your kid is different. Um, So I think that's kind of the first advice that I would give. I think the second advice is the the second piece of advice would be um, to first get clear on yourself the stuff that I feel like I've been able to do with my kid is kind of the second wave. I think the first wave was I had to get super clear on who I was as a parent. I had to learn how to trust myself on a very deep level. I had to make sure my nervous system was okay. I had to figure out what my purpose was in all of this first. And that I felt like laid this really strong foundation for me to start building everything else on. And there were times where I would start to build and it would crumble. And I would go back first to myself, like, where am I not secure enough in my own beliefs? Where am I not trusting myself more than anybody else? And then once I built that, then I could seek out experts to support me in very specific areas because I already knew and already had my back. I wasn't beating myself up that I wasn't a good parent anymore. I knew I was an amazing parent and I knew that everything that I could do from here on out, I was doing in support of me, not like taking away my own expertise, if that makes sense. So I think that's, yeah. So I think that's like the second piece of advice that I'd give is get really foundationally clear on who you are and where you're going in your life, um, because that's going to help your, you know, that's going to help your nervous system. And then you can move forward to help your kid. Yeah. It's that put your oxygen mask on first. Like can't, if our nervous systems are firing, if we are so burnt out and struggling to just make it through every bit of our day, even without a neurodiverse kid, we're going to struggle with our kids. Yes. So there's no way that you can handle all of the stuff that's being thrown at you. Um, the tantrums, the yelling, the, the needing of things, certain ways, me mm-hmm. always being corrected on my words being wrong. If I say, Hey, clean up your plate. It's <laughs> um, you know, like all of the, 
there's just so many different things that when you are burnt out, oh man, it's tough. So for any parent that is feeling like you are struggling every single day and you don't have anything to give to your kids, know that both Laura and I have been there. Like we've both been there. We've been in your shoes and know that there are steps to take to get out. Yeah. Uh, There's definitely steps to take to get out that you can get out and then you can help your kids get in to a better place as well. Yeah. And I I do want to just mention that I feel like when I was in burnout and when I've teetered on burnout and somebody says, Oh, you got to do self-care immediately. I felt so discouraged because I'm like, I have no freaking time to do self-care. My kids demand so much out of me. And I want to be clear that self-care, I feel like seems optional. I'm talking about Mm self-preservation. I'm talking about eating a protein bar because you're so busy feeding your kids that you haven't fed yourself. Like I'm talking about going to bed maybe five minutes early or locking your door when you're in the bathroom. The kids are still going to knock, but they're not climbing on you when you're on the toilet. Yes, the cats too. Yes, yes. So like, I think sometimes we hear self-care and we think these are hour long things. Sometimes for me, it's listening to one of my songs I want to listen to and then turning a kid's song on and then going back to one of my songs. Like it's just very simple things to like drop in joy. That's my fuel to keep going. I believe you, was there a link that you gave for something along those yes. lines? Yeah. yeah. Well, so I have, um, a couple links. So the one that I sent to you, you're welcome to share that it's, um, in the the show notes. yeah, in the show notes, um, you're, you're welcome to share that it's, I have a book club of it's a virtual book club for all moms. You don't have to read the book to join it's, you can just listen to the book and I teach you ways to apply it. It's always made for neurodiverse brains. <laughs> so it's a safe place for all of us to, to come and not feel overwhelmed. Um, but Part of that is a video where it's like the three things to avoid when reading self-help, because I feel like self-help, parenting books, all of that adds more to our to-do list. So I have this video, like the three things to avoid so that you're not feeling overwhelmed and creating uh, brain clutter. Um, but I can also share with you if you want, Andy, um, I can put a link to the shit shame store checklist. <laughs> Same. I can't say that. I think I changed it on there. So it's just the life storm checklist. (laughs) I didn't want people to be offended, Um, but I can share that link as well. And I print this out each time I, my nervous system is overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and I can feel that I'm teetering on that top of explosion and they're very simple things to do so that I can like ground my body and not be thinking about my child's future and how successful he's going to be with a boss. But it's like, what can I do in the next five minutes to help me so I can help my kid? Um, So I can um, send that link to you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And and same with us. It's like my kids know and same with me. I'm like, okay, guys, I'm struggling right now. I'm just going to go give myself five minutes. I'll be back. They're like, okay. And then they know too. Like sometimes I'll just stay with them while I'm, I'm pulling out my tools, but 
yeah, just doing my breathing. And, you know, they, they know too. And, and it is amazing. And if you do it in front of your kids too, they start learning mm-hmm. those tools, as you say, monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, if there, I know we could go on forever dive into your burnout story, which is what like we're supposed to be doing, but I think this is just so invaluable. Um, before we leave, is there anything else that we have not covered that you feel that needs to be said? Um, well, and if you're comfortable, I'll just say, I have a lot more that I share on my podcast. And I know that you're going to link to that specific episode. So I help women figure out who they are and who they're meant to be. And I do coach a lot of parents of neurodivergent kids, just because that's my story. That's what I openly talk about. Um, the tools that I use are made for those families. So if, if any of this is resonate, people can go to my podcast and learn more about what I teach. Um, just because like you said, I feel like we could talk about these things for days. <laughs> like, no, I know. And it's so fascinating when I have a client coming in and I'm like, you're neurodiverse. I'm like, this yeah. is going to be so cool. <laughs> I'm like, tell me about your kids. And they'll start telling me, I'm like, oh, you have neurodiverse kids. They're like, what's that? We start. To, yeah. I love it. It's just because this is my life. Right. And I didn't know. I had no idea about any of this stuff. And then, yeah, learning that I'm neurodiverse. I'm like, really? Totally. I was just talking to my sister about that last night. And, you know, we just, I was telling you at the beginning, we just got the diagnosis for my daughter that has you know, like a sister thing to autism because we suspected she was autistic for the longest time. And so we just, we're just a whole bunch of neurodiverse people in this house and I love it. And we just accommodate all of our brains. Right. And it's, it is, it's, really the coolest brains if you ask me but as you said too like it takes a while to get to that stage to see the coolness Um, but if anybody wants to get there to that point of seeing that coolness in their kids and and having that energy and that passion back in yourself as well um reach out to Lara I'm here as well both of us this is what we both do and Lara's it is interesting there's I do all of these interviews and I do listen to other people's podcasts and stuff. And Lars is the one that I actually do continue to listen to because <laughs> it, it's so much parallels like my life yeah. as well. So I highly recommend go listen to her podcast and uh, yeah. Amazing. All right. So everything is in the show notes in order to um, connect with Lara, to get her podcast, to get the downloads that, uh, that Lara has suggested into her book club. So Go into the show notes and get those. If you want to reach out for anything with me as well, my links are in these show notes as well. My burnoutexpert.ca website and my first responder one 911lifestyle.com. Both of those sites are there. Um, reach out. Both of us are here. We're both um, amazing. And same with, with Lara's podcast, with my podcast. Please like our episodes and share them with people that you know will will really resonate with them because that's how our podcasts are actually seen by more and more people as well. And we so appreciate you for doing that. So thank you very much, everyone. And we will see you in the next episode.